What do you get when you add fascism, amputations, and math, math scores? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hey there, guys. I'm Thomas Green. And I'm Alex Duas. We are doing uh, Starship Troopers. And uh, have you seen this movie before? No. This is your first time seeing it? I, you know, when, we, when I started it, and it's the sort of the enlistment trailer, like, everyone's doing their part. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have seen that, and I basically have seen up into the point to Invasion, where it's an ugly planet, a bug planet, and then I I just checked out, and I never really sat down to <laughs> in, be invested in it. So you would say you probably, so you're saying this movie did not go above your expectations. No, no. No, it, it, lived, it lived solidly at them, if not coasted below them. Yeah, no, I really had uh, no expectations going into it. Um, it sort of has a legacy to it, but, like, I always kind of confuse it and conflate it in my mind with, like, Stargate and... Oh, and that's like, mean to Stargate. Uh, that's mean to Stargate. Just a hundred other movies with the name Star in the in the title, so... Um. Okay, then. <laughs> but no, it, well, was, it, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but um, it, I had no expectations going in. You, you aren't running out to Best Buy to get yourself a copy of it. No, no. <laughs> but you had texted me and said that it um, was worse than you remembered. So, this was yes. not your first time watching this no, movie. No, this was not my, my first time watching <laughs> this movie, and I, I had the instance that we're having far too often on this show, of watching something and thinking, well, it'll be good for a laugh, it wasn't yeah. that, oh, fuck me, <laughs> kill me. I, I can tell this is going to be the episode, not the episode, <laughs> we're not split on this. But I didn't. I, I I hated no part of this film. I I I could definitely, if I had watched this when I was like twelve or thirteen, and it had like, you know, bugs and war and tits, I, I probably oh, would consider trust it me, a guilty as, pleasure. As an early like early teens watching this movie, uh-huh. it's amazing. <laughs> it's like. It's one of the best movies you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> limbs are flying off, tits are flapping around. Like, th- when you're like 13, 14 years old, exactly. That those are some of your main qualifications for well, a movie. Plain and simple. That's where this movie should exist. It should exist <laughs> when you are 13 and not when you're 26 or older. Or 31. <laughs> When you when you flip the number when you're 13, it's great. When you flip the numbers around and you're 31, no. Um, before we dive too much into that, there are some trailers worth talking about. Uh, first was the big one that came out the uh, the Terminator, new Terminator movie, Dark Phoenix. No, not Dark Phoenix. Dark oh, sorry. Fate. I have this. I have this a similar excitement level to Dark Phoenix. Seeing this fucking trailer. Uh, I sorry. I've been waiting all week to make that joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love the Terminator franchise. Like I love the second one. The the second one is one of my favorite films of all time. Like kids have that movie when they were younger where they came home from school every day and watched mm-hmm. one specific movie over and over again. And for most kids that was a Disney movie. And for me at the age of 
like eight, nine, ten. That was Terminator Two. Around that time, it was it was a default movie for me as well. I I watched Terminator Two over and over and over again. Like it it. it, it it spoke to me in a way that most most movies will never speak to me ever again. Well, it was funny, because for me, it was around the time I was heavily watching Mystery Science Theory 3000. Okay. So, as a result, my my mother didn't care too much about me watching R-rated movies. One, yeah. because I had the whole, like, divorced parents, you know, like, I'm gonna be the cool mom, R-rated, sure, yeah. check that shit out. <laughs> um... But it was a mixture of that mixture of them also just thinking, like, he doesn't shut up during movies, yeah. so who cares? So the first time I watched the movie was in, like, 98, and I think it's 97 is when Judgment Day happens in that movie. Okay. And so literally that comes up on screen with all these, like, burning skeletons. Yeah. And as a just a kid, I'm just, I literally just went, that happened last year? Damn it, I miss everything in this small fucking town. <laughs> Well, and it just when it went that way for me, like so it was like, yeah, my mom was right. Like I never at any point was watching that movie, going, "Oh God, it's gonna give me nightmares." <laughs> my parents aren't divorced, but uh, they probably just didn't care. So, I, uh, yeah, I watched Terminator Two far too often, and then um, Terminator Three came out when I was ten years old, the uh, prime age to make poor decisions about film. Oh yeah, so like. Excellent time for poor decision making. I actually have a fondness for Terminator 3. I haven't gone back and watched it in, you know, about 10 years. Terminator 3, for the 50 million faults it has, the one fault it does not have is the twist ending. Mm -hmm. The twist ending where it turns out we haven't been trying to stop it. We've been trying to just keep them safe. Yeah. And then we as an audience have to watch Judgment Day happen. Yeah. It's actually a solid twist. It's actually a solid moment in an otherwise shitty film. Yeah. Well, I think all of the sequels have one thing in common. I, honestly, I don't know if I can speak to Genesis about this because... Genesis. I, <laughs> if, they're gonna, if they're not going to spell it right, we're not going to pronounce it right. I can't remember a fucking thing about that film other than the horrible twist ending that, uh, that Doctor Who is the villain. That's um, that's one of the main no, things. John I Connor's... The, well, the, Doctor Who is the villain, but John Connor... Doctor is Who is, is Skynet yeah. as a human being because that fucking Jesus makes sense. Christ. That, this is why I do not trust James Cameron's seal of approval as producer on this film because he gave... Genesis, his fucking seal of approval. Yeah, no, I, he, he, there, there's, everyone's running that clip now of him in that interview. I, I really think the Genesis is the proper Terminator 3, the, the continuation of my story. So, I don't fucking trust him as far as I could throw him. Well, I mean, let's face it, ever since he lost Best Director to his ex-wife, he's been on a <laughs> mental decline. Well, that's I, the reality. It really honestly, is. I just, I feel like, this trailer did nothing to get me excited other than to see Linda Carter back. And I I can't even get too excited about that. Linda Hunter. Sorry, I believe. Linda Hunter, I believe. Okay. Um, I can't even get too excited about that. Like, I... It, it looks like this movie is taking the quote-unquote greatest hits of the last three films. Oh, yeah. It's, let's have a Terminator who believes they're human... Or is a human with cybernetic parts, and it's going to be a strong female Terminator like we took from T- uh, Terminator 3. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, an old um, Arnold Schwarzenegger 
which we took from Genesis. Genesis. We, um... <laughs> you gotta stop saying it like that. Hey, um, <laughs> they spelled it that way? It's like... It's like uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. It's not Star Trek Into Darkness. It's Star Trek Into Darkness. They didn't want to put the colon. I'm not going to use it. I I just am not excited about this film. I it was Is very... Tim Miller the director of this? Yes. I mean, his name's all yes. over it. But... Tim Miller is the director. And it's... He's it... the thing that gives me the most hope in this film. Here's the thing. It looks like it will probably be a perfectly competent sci-fi action film. Yeah. But as a Terminator movie, mm-hmm. the the reality is the, the the problem that the Terminator franchise has and it's what will make us constantly have terrible sequels until finally for you know finally a studio buries the rights under someone's desk so that way no one can make a film. Yeah. There is no set tone, style, anything to this franchise. So everyone's trying to do a different tone and style. Like, the first Terminator is, I mean, the first Terminator, first time I, you know, I watched it one time, and about three quarters of the way through the film, I literally just sat there and went, this is like James Cameron wrote a first draft of this movie, Mm -hmm. was convinced it was brilliant, and filmed it, and nobody stopped him to say, this is an incoherent mess because you tried to be non-linear about it. Yeah. And then Terminator 2 came out, mm-hmm. and it was focused on the effects, and it had some, you know, and it just, it seemed sort of like a Western. T2 feels kind of like a Western. Okay. And that's, I think, what makes that one fun, along with the effects and all, in, in the casting. Yeah. Uh, I th- I th- and then every other film after that's tried to either be, like, the gritty reboot that we had with Terminator Salvation, mm-hmm. or with Genesis, we were getting the weird generic, I don't even know what the hell it was. Like, it's just this constant issue that we have on a regular basis with these films. Yeah. Well, one thing that... I haven't watched the original Terminator in years, so I don't know if I can speak to it, what, what you're saying necessarily, but I feel like T1 and, and to a lesser extent T2, like T2 works as a film on so many levels, but much of the success of the first one, I do believe is the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Linda Hamilton, by the way, we were both wrong. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> but like Linda Hamilton, Damn. Michael Bean was like, the fucking thing when Terminator came out. He was he was a trendy, he was your handsome sci-fi lady. Yeah. He was kind of, he was a male version of Zoe Saldana. Yeah. If you were making something <laughs> sci-fi, you casted him somewhere because you knew he was going to bring people yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming a huge star, yeah. um, I think Terminator sort of cemented his place in that. Um, and then, like, T2 is arguably one of if not the greatest sequel ever made it it did everything the first film did but better yeah um and i feel we just haven't recaptured that and every sequel this is what i was starting to say i i feel like every sequel we've ultimately led to judgment day and it's just a boring ending. Like, I don't ever need to see Judgment Day. Like, T2 didn't mm-hmm. show us Judgment Day. We knew it was on the horizon, or it still could be, but we 
were massive. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be resolved, but it could still come back. Yeah. It depends on if. And that's the, that's what we've tried to do with every sequel is answer that question. Yeah. Oh, it happened. It was fucking shit. Here's here's what happened. And yeah. T three, you know, Terminator three, probably answers that question the best like you might not like that film but like you said the best part of that film is the twist ending yeah and almost every other terminator film has taken that to heart and tried to show us what it is afterwards and it's it's uninteresting yeah absolutely um well and to 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 do a crude segue the other thing i noticed with this trailer is someone clearly said make terminator like they made logan Mm. Yeah, but they didn't say that as bad as they said it about the next trailer, <laughs> Rambo: Final Blood, which literally I was waiting for Johnny Cash singing "Hurt" to play over oh, that trailer. It was it's it's lo- they're making fucking Logan. Yeah, that's all they're doing with this Rambo. Like I, I don't have anything else to say. It looks bland. It looks boring. It just looks like it's going to be a cheap ripoff mm-hmm. of an overrated movie, well, and. I work in the restaurant industry. I work with 16-year-olds. I've heard Old Town Road, or whatever the fuck it's called. I, I've never seen a worse use of a song in a trailer in my life. Do the people who... I can't listen to the song. It's fucking ear garbage. But do the people who made this trailer not know that the song is a fucking joke? Like, it's not supposed to be taken seriously. Well, here's the thing. Oh, my God. Well, it just came out, like, months, like a couple months ago. I, I think this is the fastest turnaround. I can't even remember the song. Jesus And Christ. it's definitely not the fastest turnaround, because there was that Bastille song that it was, like, a, like at the same time it was starting to be popular as a single, it was in almost every single kid's trailer, especially okay. the Mr. Peabody and Sherman one. <laughs> Because I remember I kept hearing it and being like, why do I keep hearing this song everywhere? But no, I completely forgot. I don't even remember the song that was in the Rainbow trailer. Uh, everything in, in it was just like a... Forgettable. Incredibly forgettable. Yeah. Everything was insanely forgettable because it... And like, if you're a fan of Rainbow, I don't see how you can get excited for this because it's literally taking, at best we're trying and realistically going to fail to go back to the very first Rambo film. Mm -hmm. At best, we're going back to that. But, I mean, it's called Last Blood. Yeah. It's his last movie. We have the shot of of him in the movie where we see he's got, like, two or three bullet holes that have gone through him with one of them being in the chest. Like, we're not... They did not get the people who edit Marvel trailers <laughs> to do this one because we know he ain't living through this movie. Well, you know, I've I've another confession on the podcast. I've never seen a Rambo movie before, none of them. And but that's I have no objection to seeing one. I just haven't gotten around to seeing one. Mm. The one thing I can say about this trailer that I can't say for Terminator uh, fucking Dark Fate is I can almost guarantee we will shoehorn in some way for Arnold to say, hasta la vista, baby, or I'll be back, or any of the... What, into Rambo? <laughs> no, <laughs> God damn it. Into Dark Fate. Rambo, but, on the other hand, doesn't really have those famous quotes, 
So they don't have to shoehorn in fucking bullshit for the sake well, of it. He doesn't have famous quotes because for, you know, his other characters have quotes. Yeah. Rambo has your favorite moments that he made someone's head explode by shooting them with an arrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think literally, if, you, if they can do that, they're going to make Rambo fans happy. <laughs> well, as long as they make this movie ultra-violent, it's essentially like doing every... It's literally like having every single person who's ever had a catchphrase mm-hmm. come out and say their catchphrase at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's just, it's that easy and lazy for them to, to succeed in that. Um, but that's already too much about a boring ass trailer. Um, so then the last one that we're going to talk about, uh, movie coming out called The Kitchen with, uh, Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Moss and Tiffany Tiffany Haddish. Haddish. Um, looks fun. It, it does. It looks smart. Honestly, Um, when, um, you sent me the trailer, I had not seen it yet. And uh, I just watched it a couple moments ago, and when I had seen Melissa McCarthy, I'm like, I don't even want to watch this fucking trailer. It's like, it's just going to be another fucking Melissa McCarthy movie. And honestly, I started watching it, and I'm like, okay, Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish, I'm waiting for the turn. I'm waiting for the, Mm -hmm. one of them's going to slip on their pile of money and and fall down and think it's, you know, clever slapstick. that's comedy, yeah. on it, they never did that turn, and honestly, I applaud them for it. Like it looks, uh, I hope she continues to play it more seriously. Um, I think the I think the director for this film was really smart and casted yeah. two of the three lead casted for two of the three leads people that exact is exactly that yeah. you're waiting because their characters clearly are not people don't take them seriously because yeah. they're women at this time period in this location. Yeah. So we kind of put the audience in that same at ease. Yeah. Like that same relaxed, like, Oh, well, you know, it's, they're, they're funny. So they're going to do funny stuff. Yeah. So that way then when it changes completely, um, it's, it's a shock. I mean, it's definitely with, with all due respect to Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. we are definitely in a phase of her trying to keep her, her um her 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 asking salary up yeah. by doing stuff that yeah. gets her Oscar nominations <laughs> and hopefully a win. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish clearly is trying to expand expand herself into more serious prod projects, yeah. which I applaud. And then Elizabeth Moss is trying to take, you know, the handmaiden's tale mm-hmm. um success that she's got and continuing to try to make strong films. And I think in all reality, Elizabeth Moss's career is a phenomenal one. Yeah. Like, from the first time she really stuck out in the industry, in my opinion, being the Bartlett daughter on West Wing. Okay. Um, you know, Handmaid's Tale, The Square, now The Kitchen. Like, she's, she, when she does projects and you, she's always really good in them okay. even like regardless of whether or not you like the project she's always solid i haven't seen her in much i saw her in a really weird indie film like years ago um but i know she's a accomplished actress she's mm-hmm. um she obviously you know she's the lead in the handmaid's tale and that's hulu's fucking bread and butter right now she is her generation's kathleen keener mm-hmm. where if you see her she's going to be in the movie you know she's going to be good she, but for some reason, she does not get the, um, the A list attention yeah. of 
a lot of actors that are less talented yeah. than her. She's not going to be on any list of like top prospects for the next Marvel heroine. Um, no, and it's <laughs> and it not that. I don't know if she would want to or not, mm-hmm. and it's not that she doesn't deserve to be, but I wouldn't be surprised just from the fact that she's not grabbing people's attention in in the way that like a you know a, a, a Reese Witherspoon or yeah. Sandra Bullock or, or yeah. any of these other a listers are doing. Mm-hmm. And for me, those are. We've got people like Elizabeth Moss, uh, Tatiana Maslany, a lot of these actresses that aren't getting big uh, A-list attention. Yeah. And they're the ones that I always recommend people look at and watch the projects of because they're the ones that are going to give performances worth watching. Yeah. I wonder if her, her run on The Handmaid's Tale and then films like this that get her into the public consciousness a little bit more. Like, she's obviously had an accomplished career up mm-hmm. to this point, but I wonder if she gets sort of a second wind where she... D- you do see her in more and more um, the films after this. Whether it's a, whether she wins or not, if she gets an Oscar nomination for Supporting Actress for, mm-hmm. for The Kitchen, uh, I imagine that by that summer, she'll have at least a couple of major films, possibly one franchise that she's attached to. Yeah. But going from things that are good, would you like to know more? (laughs) (laughs) So first off, let's, let's do a little bit of backstory with Starship Trooper. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I did, I did a little bit of research just to understand certain things. Well, you know, Yes, but at the same time, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So the the original book that this is very, very loosely based off of yeah. was written by a guy who essentially was writing this as a way of venting out his hatred for civilians who did not fight in World War II. Okay. And his attitude towards them, which was very fascist. Mm-hmm. He he was essentially a fascist without necessarily meaning to be one. Okay. And uh, Paul Verhoeven, who directed this film and um, made the far better, and but similar in format, RoboCop, which is probably where you felt like you'd seen the TV intercuts before. Yeah. Um, he has a... I don't remember what it is exactly, but he has a, a family history with fascism. So he wanted to make a film mocking fascists. Yeah. So basically, it's a it's sort of like if in if instead of making the producers, Mel Brooks had literally just made a comedy biopic about Hitler. It's sort of that sort of <laughs> that's kind of what he was aiming for. He didn't succeed, but that's yeah. why you know Neil Patrick Harris is walking around looking like uh, Doogie Goebbels. Yeah. There at the for half the movie. <laughs> So was was the book he based on based it off of twelve volumes, or is it one book? It's just one book. Because Jesus Christ, it seems like there is a movie and three sequels that happens in the two hours we spend with these characters. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I, I just I want to say something very important right out the gate. Right out the gate, I want to make something very very clear. 
I root for the bugs. <laughs> I want the bugs to... The bugs deserve the win. <laughs> the fucking humans in this movie are all a bunch of idiots. They they do not deserve... like. I I I do not know how many times in my notes I literally just wrote go bugs. I wrote go bugs a lot in my notes because somebody would say or do something and my reaction would be kill him. Just kill him. I don't care I don't care if it's quick, I don't care if it's slow and painful, just kill him. Go bugs. Well, gay I, bugs. Ah. I don't know. There is... Oh, gosh. Let's start to unpack this film. Um, this film opens, and the opening of it is so strange. I, it truly is. And when we... I don't know why we started on the planet. Well, we started with the with that you know promotional join the uh, mobile inf- infantry. But, like, then we get to the planet. And there's a newscaster there. And mm-hmm. why there is a newscaster there is fucking beyond me. Just just so we can have him die. Well, That's but why I mean, there. look at this. I mean, how many times has Anderson Cooper had like three military men on top of him because he was getting shot at? I mean, like, it happens. Like, not that I want to like decompress what's <laughs> realistic and unrealistic about this movie. Because I have a lot of things that are yeah. very unrealistic about this movie. Um, but... No, I, I actually, the, the thing that I consistently love in this film mm-hmm. are the news breaks. Yeah. I, because they're, they're funny, they're a great bit of weird social commentary, yeah. and it's, it's a brilliant way of showing you the, the concept of truth mm-hmm. and, like, the reality and the truth you're told. Mm-hmm. So like we're you know and you know we get that right out the beginning. I th- it's one of the two reasons why I think the movie starts with the chaos on the planet. I think, I think the, the movie other reason starts with the chaos on the planet is because once we get into the school, we watch the first fucking season of Degrassi before well, yes, anything happens. That's the other thing is because the, they know you're walking out <laughs> if you get you're like forty five fucking minutes into this movie and. Yeah, I still I, haven't seen... The closest thing I've seen to a bug <laughs> is Clancy Brown. I'm leaving. I... You take that back. You do no, not I take... love him. <laughs> hey, remember? I'm on the side of the bugs. So... That's a compliment the, to me. <laughs> I, I sincerely think it was 1997. They were like, these bugs don't look like the worst thing that is in theaters right now. Like, these are actually... For the time, it's not terrible CGI. Decent, You're yeah. right. It's decent not terrible effects, decent practical practical effects and CGI. So I think they wanted to get you in there. Go bam! Look at this bug. Mm-hmm. You'll see it again in forty five minutes. Yeah. and here we Just go. Hold here's tight. The, You'll see them again. <laughs> here's the first season of Degrassi. Yeah, and we're gonna follow these four fucking insufferable characters. Yeah. No. Can I want to make one thing? perfectly clear right off the bat like immediate bullshit that they have in this movie and I bet you know what I'm going to say she does not get a 97% on her math score (laughs) Denise Richards does not have a 97 Casper Van Dien yeah he got a 35 absolutely but 
She does not get a 97%. Dude, Denise Richards in this film is probably She's the, the worst villain. human. Yeah. She yeah. has to be the villain. She is like, absolutely the worst human being in this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. The fact that her name is Carmen does nothing in my mind to separate her from Carmen Electra. Not necessarily <laughs> in looks. What? Not necessarily in looks, but acting, you know, potential. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's, that's one of the, my favorite things about this movie is... The whole time they're in school, all of these people, their origin of birth is South America. I know. And we and <laughs> we follow and, four of the whitest people I've ever seen and, on screen. <laughs> and to the credit to the credit of Casper Van Dien, when he got approached about this in interviews for the film, mm-hmm. his explanation that he came up with while filming was that his family at some you know, his family like Part of his family line mm-hmm. was one of the Nazis that went and hid, like, boys from Brazil style in South America. Okay. So that's his... And I'm... And I literally, I read that and I was like, you know what? <laughs> because you thought... Because you put so much thought into it. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll buy it. I'll live with it. I'll give you this one. Can I go back to Denise Richards? Always. Not only is <laughs> Jesus, her name is Carmen Ibenez. Mm-hmm. I've played guitar f- for years. <laughs> I'm I'm lapsed, but I I don't play guitar professionally. But all I play is Ibanez guitars. So when I was watching it with subtitles and I see Ibanez, but I hear the people on screen say Ibanez. I want to slap them all in the fucking mouth. I have never once, ever, I've owned three Ibanez guitars. I've never once heard another human being refer to them as Ibanez guitars. (laughs) That was honestly one of my biggest problems with the film. Um, But yeah, I think the only thing that I wrote down more than Go Bugs in my notes was constantly reiterating the fact that Denise Richards' character is a terrible person. Yeah. She's clearly has no loyalty. She has no. She has loyalty. no. She has no like commitment to her relationship with Casper Van. Dien. Does she, does she have a? She, does she have a relationship with him? The, because they're technically dating, even though she doesn't tell him "I love you" back. And yeah, she's flirting with. She's flirting with with this other guy from the other school who happens to be at her dance, which we're not going to. Dissect that one. Really, the only thing to say about that guy is literally that guy came in, auditioned, they casted him, and a producer went, You know what's really popular right now? Will and Grace. Give him Eric McCormick's haircut. Maybe people will think he's Eric McCormick, and that'll help get people into this. Because I swear to God, I. There was a point in time where I was trying to remember this movie because I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it in like a decade. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, is Eric McCormick in that fucking movie? <laughs> is fucking Will from Will and Grace in that movie as the like douchebag? He's not a douchebag. He's not a douchebag. He's a high school student who wants to get late. He, the, the, he, he is not the fucking problem. She is the problem because she is openly flirting with this guy while her boyfriend is at the dance with her. And then, the only reason she stopped is because he sees them and and gets her away. And then she goes, my dad's not home tonight. She would have fucked that other guy. I agree. Had Johnny Rico not gra- come and got her, yeah. 
She was getting dick that night. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she wanted to fuck. Um, but no, see, my mission here, is to get you to say that almost every episode because I think I've got it like three times already. I think it's been like three or four episodes we've done. Yeah. Um, but no, the, um, he is a douchebag though, because yeah. remember he's essentially, he claims that he heard about some new I mean, he's a douchebag. And, but if and you put her next to, her next to Denise so, Richards, he's yeah. not the worst person on screen. Literally the bugs are nicer than her in this movie. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and, I dude, love, I love, because, yeah, it's literally, he finds out where she is so he can be her boss, mm-hmm. woos her until she dumps her boyfriend, Yeah, and then, it's never then, said that they have a relationship, though. But, here's the thing, you know why it's not said? <laughs> Go ahead. Because in a test screening, <laughs> because in a test screening, when people, when they basically in like one or two scenes later were officially dating. Yeah. People hated that. And people hated Denise Richards character, yeah. especially. So they made it implied in the movie, yeah. but they never flat out said it. So that way that wouldn't hinder people's likability of Denise Richards. <laughs> Them not realizing we already fucking hated her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny Rico is, so I watched this movie Johnny Rico really wants you to know when he's in pain. <laughs> he puts everything into his pain face. And I applaud him for that. Uh, the, honestly, he can't... Do, can he take a fucking hint? Can he take a hint? Because Denise Richards is a fucking uptight bitch. And... But no, she's not is, uptight. <laughs> okay? She's looser than a wet noodle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dizzy is throwing herself at you. I know you're all supposed to be in the same age in high school, but she's clearly the older, more experienced woman. Well, go for Dizzy, dude. Let's face it, you're all in your your late. You're all in your late twenties. You should probably start looking into a real relationship anyway. Um, But and that's the thing, honestly, I like Dizzy. Oh yeah, Dizzy is arguably the best part of this film. She's likable. Yeah, yeah. She transferred to be with Rico. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but she also kicks ass and can hold her yeah. own better than most of the fucking dudes on that. Until the they need her not to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Literally, until they need her not until to. Until they need to make Rico the hero again and the squad leader, then they then they make her a little incompetent. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Clancy Brown, arguably it, the best part of this film. Clancy Brown and Michael Ironside. <laughs> yes. Can the movie be about them? Yeah. If this movie had been about Clancy Brown, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, this weird, like, not necessarily meta, but weird offshoot film, sort of like a a MASH-esque sort of thing, where it's this guy who's not allowed to stop being a trainer at the boot camp, which seems weird when your planet is being bombed, to be like, no, you're too experienced, you have to stay here. Um... (laughs) The the whole, like, for me, like, if the movie had been just following him, mm-hmm. and him, like, constantly getting these news feeds, and hearing about all the terrible stuff, and trying to make the decision of what he was going to do, honestly, I think that would have been a fucking great movie. Yeah. I think that'd be a great movie. Yeah. If someone in Hollywood accidentally turned this on, <laughs> and hasn't turned it off yet, and is hearing this, you can have this pitch. Yeah. For... 
as long as it's good and it has Clancy Brown in it somewhere, you, you need to stop you talking it. about it because you're making me sad that we watched this movie instead of that <laughs> movie. Um, it's making I, me want to watch Mash, um, <laughs> where people are literally cheating on their spouses, mm-hmm. but they're still more faithful than Denise Richards. <laughs> um, the Johnny Rico has no thoughts of his own in this film oh no everything Absolutely is dependent not. on what denise richards wants what's Clan- what clancy brown wants what, what dizzy parents, tells him to do what dizzy tells him to do what his parents want oh no what uh, the opposite Ironside. whatever whatever his parents want <laughs> yeah he just knows instinctively i need to do the opposite and i need to throw a temper tantrum his, about it his parents are the best empty threats in this film. Oh yeah. Get out of here, you're cut off. You're, and then he gets they get the phone call. Of course you're welcome back. Yeah. But we're gonna fucking die in about five no, seconds. So. No, what what I love is like you I don't want you joining. If you join, I you're out of here. First thing he says to him, where's your uniform? <laughs> Fucker, really? Like if I was, he was Rico just happy to see him. If I was Rico, I honestly would have been like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Wrong number. Yeah. Click. <laughs> Go over to Clancy Brown. Can I bunk with you? Like, do you have a place that I can crash at? So, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Um, what is your opinion of Ace in this film? That depends. Because... What is Ace? Ace? <laughs> Ace is the person who gets introduced, and we think he's going to be the characteristic, like... Just classic bully. Oh, you mean Jake Busey? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's a Busey boy right there. (laughs) I I should have known by the smile. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um... Because I fucking loved him in this film. Yes. Yes, I I literally... loved him. I literally... I want to go to the note to make sure... Um... Yeah, with like a half an hour left in the movie, I wrote, Busey is solely responsible for likable characters in this movie. Yeah, he they, really At is. one point, he is the only remaining likable character mm-hmm. in the whole movie. Yeah. Like, after I, Dizzy, after they, di- yeah, after after Dizzy dies, Dizzy, it's, it's just, it's up to Busey yeah. to make you want to have somebody to hope survives the movie. Because Dizzy dies after Ironside, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. By like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So... Again, yes, he's the only likable character left until we see Clancy Brown at the very fucking last second of this. Yes, and I have an issue with that that we'll come back to. I was so... Like, when I saw him, I was like, we're getting introduced to him as he's supposed to be the bully because he's cutting in line, which is such a fucking classic, like, 90s, he's a bully. The cliche, yeah. Yeah. And then... He immediately turns, and he's like, oh, you could be my friend. And, like, Rico's like, oh, I should be so lucky. Like, Well, it's, <laughs> it's literally like they started writing it, and then they were told, oh, we casted Casper Van Dien. And they went, well, fuck, you know, the good, if the good guy looks like Hitler Youth, then we can't have the villain look like it, too. Well, I guess the bully's a nice guy now. Let's change it up. <laughs> it was great. And, and well, if, it, if they it shows that he's just sort of... He's he's just a brash character. He's yeah. not he's not a bully. He's just brash. Like everyone, you know, eventually when everyone pushes him back to the back of the line, he's there. He stays yeah. in the back of the line. He's yeah. fine. Like <laughs> he's just he's very brash in your face, ready to show off sort yeah. of character, and that's all. Well, it made me realize he's that Val every... Kilmer in Top Gun. <laughs> every character in this movie is just a cheerleader for Rico. 
Because we're oh, supposed yeah. to like Rico. Oh, no, my favorite... But there's no reason we should. I even put, I love the Latino hype guy. Oh, he's got uh, like the kitten. Kitten was his yeah, name. Yeah, he's like the first one of the group to to die once mm-hmm. they actually go to war. Yeah, but yeah, he's like with the little pencil mustache. Yeah, I just was like, I don't know what it is about his hype job that he's doing right now, but it is fantastic. <laughs> he is owning it. He is taking it to to a great level. Dude. It's great. Watching um, this movie, Kitten gets torn in half, and yeah. his top part of his torso in one arm and his head land right next to Rico. Yeah. And the subtitles go kitten moaning. And I'm like, first off, that's a horrible subtitle. And secondly, literally all that landed next to Rico was his fucking head and torso. So no, he's not making any sounds anymore. It was just hilarious to me. Well, there could still be um, like a little bit of air some, left in some his guttural noises. Escaping. Yeah. I feel like if they had made Ace the bully, they would have almost in every capacity copied Pacific Rim Uprising. And I know Pacific Rim Uprising came out later, but Jesus Christ, I drew so many parallels between this I think, movie well, and I think, that. I think it would have, I think it literally, he would have just been Val Kilmer in Top Gun. He just would have <laughs> been, he would have kept insulting Rico, and then finally at some point he would have been like, damn it man, I may not yeah. respect you, but you've got the goods. Like, <laughs> It would have been exactly. some shit like that coming out of uprising. The, um, the, the two girls that hated each other the entire film. Oh, yeah. And the, then the, the little kid and then the weird the blonde German one. Broad. Yeah. yeah. The blonde one finally turns and she's like, give him hell. And just I cuts. think that's when we just yeah. stood up and got out I, of the That was around... No, no. The, the moment that we got out of the theater was when he was activating the pieces of kaiju mm, brain. Yeah. That yeah. was the point where we both were like... All right, we'll uh, we'll see ourselves out. Let's... I was I was waiting for uh, Neil Patrick Harris to start communicating with the bugs, and I'm like, if he is working for the bugs, I'm like, I'm going to shut out, have to shut off this movie because it's just too reminiscent of Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> so, the whole the whole psychic aspect of this movie, it's first so of all, bizarre. fuck that, it's because so it's stupid bullshit. Um, it literally is only there. To make Rico know to go the direction that she's in to rescue her later. That's the whole reason it's in the movie. I the guess. You fucking... There, it's I mean, never used at any other point in the movie. Yes. That's the only time it's used. I mean, well, then later when he's like, the bug's afraid. It's afraid. And everyone cheers. But that... You could have. It could have been faking. <laughs> it literally just touches it and... It touches it and looks down at it and is like... Because he, he hasn't, he, he doesn't need tele- fucking uh, telekinesis, telepathy, whatever we're trying to say. <laughs> like the bug is visibly fucking shaking. Yeah, I could tell it was afraid. I don't like. I mean, we've been watching it pretty much for that point for a while, and the you know its mouth slash pussy lips were always quivering. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ! They were always quivering, <laughs> but he didn't know that, so that could seem like fear to him. <laughs> I take the gerbil testicle over this fucking thing. The gerbil testicle from fucking Dune, I'll take him back. At least that thing didn't have a fucking scorpion tail attached to its fucking mouth. It was horrifying. No, it was just... uh, I mean, it wasn't really horrifying Um, because it was 1997 special, like, CGI, but... 
Never well, that wasn't even... That was practical. <laughs> that was like... Somebody actually built mm. that thing, put yeah, it on yeah. the set. The director looked at it and said, Roll camera. <laughs> he, and he said like, roll camera on a lot worse thing. Let's get a close-up of it. And then roll camera. We got a close-up of Denise Richards, too, in this film. He pointed a, his camera at a lot of things he probably shouldn't have. Yeah, half the movie he's pointing at things he shouldn't have. Um, I just... I want to go on record. Mm-hmm. Very important. I want to go on record saying... Rue McClanahan, even in this movie, she's still got it. Who's that? She's the bio teacher. The blind bio teacher. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get it, Rue. You go get it. Um, One thing that never made sense to me while watching this is the bugs are sending meteors to to Earth, mm -hmm. and I guess we're blowing them up. Why are we sending ground forces to, to quote Nick Fury... We are hopelessly, hilariously outgunned. These things have... They're nothing but scissors. Like, Jesus Christ, (laughs) fucking drop some nukes. Like, I I don't understand why we're literally sending ground forces to try to to fight them. Well, there's... I mean... There are almost no good decisions made about anything in this movie. Like... Except Michael Ironside just shooting one of his fucking yes. <laughs> cadets or whatever. Yes. No, that's, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> we get, at one point in the movie, we get the the shower scene. The, mm-hmm. the team's shower yeah, scene. Yeah, the co-ed. The co-ed shower scene. And the thing is, like, I'm, don't get me wrong. Mm. Yay boobs. Yay nudity. I'm a guy. Like, especially yeah. when I was 13. Of course, I'm watching that scene. Oh, yeah. There's multiple boobs in the same place. Yeah, your mom was asking why that um, part of the VHS was all, like, All fuzzy. a little scratchy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, all the... the uh, one shot of Casper Van Dien and... <laughs> um, You're not, you're not going to get any sleep tonight. You're just all the terrible images Jesus I'm putting Christ. in your head. Um, but no, like, I, it, I, I am someone, like, if, as long as, like, there's good logical reason for, mm. for it, you know, absolutely, you know, if it's in a movie, whatever. Yeah. But I, even as a straight guy, there is an abundance of women over male nudity, just in general. Yeah. And every single shower pole in this movie, in that scene, was perfectly placed to hide dick. Yeah. Sometimes literal cuts. At one point, they literally have a guy facing one direction, so his ass is faced to the camera when it's a wide shot. And then it goes to a medium where it's stomach up, and all of a sudden, he's facing towards the camera. Mm. In, like, just the answer... Like, there's no, like, him turning, and the cut happens. No. It's just cut, and he's facing. Like... They are actively avoiding showing yeah. dick. Yeah. And it's like, and it, it's just like, I get, like, this is, a, it's a group of people and they're all kind of laying it out on the table, you yeah. know, like, what their intentions, what they want in life, stuff like that. You know, they're all basically, it's a group of people all being vulnerable with each other to bond. Mm-hmm. So, there is something symbolically appropriate about the nudity, but still, like, you're doing, you're like, the this awesome- film too much fucking credit. No, no, but all I was going to say is the Austin Powers level of hiding the dick is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. uh, So, 
Um, now the one of the one of the scenes that I really need to talk about is the live fire simulation. Now, first of Go all, ahead. live fire simulation. Yeah. These are not words that coexist together. If this film and Jarhead have taught me anything, is if there's a live fire simulation happening in, happening in a movie, someone is getting shot in the head. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, why not call it a live fire drill or mm-hmm. a live fire exercise? Yeah. By using exercise the word simulation, word. Yeah. you're immediately going against the concept of live fire. Yeah. Um, but literally, nobody makes nobody makes a good decision no during the live fire simulation and i'm counting the person who said let's have them do a live fire simulation <laughs> but everyone is making terrible decisions in that yeah. scene and then it like it's lucky for her that the girl who actually shoots him yeah gets canned mm-hmm. it's lucky for her because she would have you know she would have died because yeah. she wasn't Rico, Ace, Rico or Ace, really, the, 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 she wasn't those two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she, she didn't have the plot armor. Exactly. So um, she would have died, but it seemed ridiculous that she get canned when basically she doesn't, you know, it's, she didn't know what's going on. And she literally, it was her body, you know, she didn't fire the gun on purpose. It was yeah. the reaction to the electroshock. Yeah. So, but she gets fired. He just has to get whipped ten times. <laughs> and I want to point out, I guarantee you, I will bet money that on the day that they were filming that, one of, like, somebody, a producer, the director, the script supervisor, Casper Van Dien, somebody, like an extra, somebody confronted, you know, whoever they needed to to get it done and said, You you the you guys should probably be careful who you pick <laughs> to be the one whipping him. And they said and somebody said fuck that. This is reparations. People will love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My, I did not have as much of a problem with that scene as I did with Rico finally getting with Dizzy. Because fuck you. You did not deserve her at that point. No, he doesn't deserve... Again, des- you don't make a fucking single decision for yourself in this film. You wait till Michael Ironside goes, don't pass up a good thing. Because that's fucking free ass over there. Yeah. And then he finally takes advantage of it. Yeah. I, he doesn't deserve it. No. But she, she does. With she someone deserves, better, but. <laughs> with someone better, but if that's what she can get her hands on, yeah. fine. Go right ahead. I mean, Ace is a little too fucking crazy. He probably would have choked you to death. <laughs> yeah, he's probably a choker. You're probably, you're, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, they did a really. They did a really bad job with <laughs> the um, film. Well, just with I literally <laughs> like th- the amount of times that I they I literally at one point 
you know, when the parents died, I wrote, oh no, not his parents. Like, literally <laughs> thinking it in that tone. You know, when the... It, it, I realized afterwards who it was, but when the the guy who was asking everyone why they enlisted in the shower, mm-hmm. when he dies, yeah. um, I literally wrote, wrote, not him, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, um, when Eric McCormick died, I wrote, oh no, don't die, go bugs. <laughs> Combined them, I, I did. I did a combo <laughs> platter there. Um, I think the worst offense this movie makes is turning the ending into the series finale of How I Met Your Mother, where <laughs> he finally gets to be, he finally gets to choose the wrong woman and be with the girl he was pining after the entire fucking movie. And it stars Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Funny that, like, who has had no character oh. growth. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> there's too many similarities. I need to go rewatch this movie. And make sure Jason Segel wasn't in this son bitch. <laughs> he was one of he was one of the bugs. <laughs> That's not an offense to Jason Segel. I love Jason Segel. The bugs again, the, go bugs. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a compliment. Um... <laughs> Oh, God. And some of these notes I literally don't even understand anymore. Like, when when the two guys are fighting over Denise Richards, I literally mm-hmm. wrote, let them fight. <laughs> and yes, I imagined Ken Watanabe and Godzilla going, oh, yeah. let them fight. <laughs> I ima- like I imagined cutting just to him saying that. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, my head was just like, yeah, let's... Uh, yeah, let's let them fight. Maybe they'll kill each other. You know, win-win. Yeah. Um, I don't see any downside to this. Um, and then, for all the mili- for all the time we spend on military training, mm-hmm. on combat training, on yada yada yada, for all this training, can somebody in this fucking movie aim their goddamn gun before they fire it? Besides Michael Ironside, no. no. Nobody can aim, so everyone's <laughs> wasting and like literally. I was bless you. Thank you. I was waiting at some point in the movie for for like everybody to go. Oh, I'm I'm completely out of ammo, and they, it kind of happens. Yeah, at no, one they point. encounter that problem only once in the entire film. And I literally, I was just like, no shit. <laughs> you literally just fired. An entire clip into one bug, yeah. and if not for the other person emptying an entire clip into that <laughs> bug, it wouldn't have even fucking died. <laughs> and honestly, we were talking last week about the Matrix, and when they have that beautiful scene that we talked about for you know a while on the on the uh, podcast, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves and uh, Trinity. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the actress. Carrie Moss. They are spray and pray through that entire lobby. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It makes sense. You can follow the action, but they are like yeah. emptying clips, just dropping their guns instead of reloading them and grabbing yeah. new guns. The this they're even worse offenders than yes. this. Like 
The fact that they actually encountered that problem at all surprised me because we hadn't encountered it for the first hour and a half of yes, the film. Yes, it took yeah, it took an hour and a half into the movie for anybody's gun to run out of ammo, <laughs> um, which didn't affect it. Didn't affect it at all because someone showed up with a new gun and more bullets. Yeah, yeah. I literally like. I have a note in here that says I'm so bored. I feel like I blacked out. I don't know. It was. Yeah, I don't know when exactly that happened. It was probably when they joined the Roughnecks. Yeah. Um, and then I have something about trying, like, doing something with a shirt. And I can't even remember what the fuck that was. Uh, like, I, yeah, I'm blanking. Yeah. When, when they joined the Roughnecks, I was, I was like, they're not going to answer the question as to how my, uh, Michael Ironside got out of Buenos Aires. Which they referred to as B.A. because, like every white person, including myself, they couldn't pronounce it in the yeah, film. Yeah, they, they just, they, they're like, <laughs> they're nobody's like, going to pronounce it right, let's call so it let's BA. just call it B.A. Let's, <laughs> this I, is we, all B.S. anyway. We, we don't need to waste our fucking time but learning how to pronounce things. I was like, they're not going to explain why, they, why he's back in the film and how he got out of B.A., but I don't really care because it's nice to see a face I actually like in this film again. Mm-hmm. Um... But the reason that I don't hate this film is probably because I watched it while I should have been working <laughs> yesterday morning. I was opening the film, and, or I was opening the, the restaurant and, like, doing weird odds and ends stuff. And I'm like, I could just, like, sit here for an hour and a half and, and uh, watch this while I'm opening and doing, you know, weird miscellaneous shit. So yeah. that's pretty much what I did. So as a distraction from work, it wasn't bad. There you go. <laughs> I can get that. Um, and I, I would like... Besides his weird, inhuman flipping, Cat, that's the only thing that ever gets Casper Van Dien a promotion outside mm-hmm. of literally you're standing right beside me when I remember I need... Like, oh yeah, I need a lieutenant. <laughs> you're an earshot. You got the job. Um, or... Until you die or until uh, I find someone better. A bunch of people are dead. Yeah. Um, Casper, the camera's been pointed at you a lot. You've got a promotion. Um, it's it's just a lot of that. Um, and it's funny because you mentioned the whole thing about um, just nuke the place. Mm-hmm. I love how at one point, out of nowhere, suddenly we're just walking around holding a nuke. Yeah. I loved that. I just love that suddenly we just conveniently have a nuke and we're just casually walking around with a nuclear warhead. <laughs> to tie it back to Terminator 2, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the film because it was reminiscent of when, uh, I'm blanking on the actor and the character's name, from T2 when he's sitting in the building with the weight over top of the detonator in the in the building and he's dying. Oh, Joe like, Morton. <sighs> And he finally oh, yeah. drops it, and the fucking building explodes. I was like, "Oh man, you're making me remember things I like. <laughs> like <laughs> you're doing, you're doing a good job. You're of reminding me... me of a good actor. Thank you, <laughs> of a good actor in a good film. Um, yeah, and it's just like that whole this, the ambush, the, the whole ambush part just killed me. <clears throat> um, it just absolutely killed me." Because the whole realizing <laughs> that they've been set up and that it's a trap. Yeah. That should have been the first thing that was stated. That they, that they talk for like a minute and then go, 
Hey, <laughs> this is a tr- oh my god. <laughs> um, that, and then sh- so we finally get Dizzy suddenly becomes incompetent. Yeah. And literally, because he yells, she decides to stop and turn around to see what he's yelling about. Yeah, no, because she had um, to become a damsel, a damsel in distress before she died. Yeah. Um, um, but, I, like, literally, we get... Um, we get the whole thing of... She's laying there with the, the pincher or the claw or whatever mm-hmm. in her. Casper Van Dien pulls Rip it out... It out. <laughs> He is trying to kill his booty call so that way he doesn't have to like have the lock talk. it down. Yeah, this is his way of avoiding the talk. But then she goes through her whole speech, and I I summed it up as essentially, "I can die now that I fucked you." Yeah, and then yeah. I wrote, "Go bugs." No, the, the honestly, for as much shit as we gave the bully character in the beginning of this, the the guy who you know is trying to get after Denise Richards. Mm-hmm. He has arguably the best last words in this film when he's like talking to the big brain boy. Oh, yeah. And he's like, someday somebody like me is going to kill you and every one of your race. And I'm like, oh, that was pretty badass. And then he gets fucking. Just, his brain sucked out. I don't know if it was, it was badass, but it was. <laughs> it was decent. It was it, better than anyone, anything else anyone had literally, said before they died. Literally, if he had said what Dizzy had said, the bug would have been like. Okay, no, I, I don't need your brain. Um, she doesn't have one. Fuck, bring me some other people. I can't use these. Honestly, um, when they when the brain bug sucked that dude's brain out, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was a decent, like, almost Evil Dead looking effect. Yeah, like that was that was probably one of the best. Like, it was it was a solid visual effect in the yeah. movie. I agree. Um, and it was satisfying to watch because I fucking hate it. <laughs> Um, I, I have to address, so Dizzy's funeral, mm-hmm. why wouldn't Casper Van Dien enunciate arms? <laughs> Present! <laughs> I honestly didn't catch this, like, or I wasn't just, paying attention. Just every <laughs> he, he never said arms, he always, it was like, Present! Arms! <laughs> Oh, that's how he pronounces arms. Oh, it's like he forgot the word and like to go back like for more Evil Dead. It's like he forgot Klaatu Rada Nikto and he's it's literally it's like. Um, no, I, what, Dizzy's funeral is the most bullshit moment of the entire film because we literally saw the newscast say like a hundred thousand dead and we cut to a planet of just dismembered corpses and torsos and limbs just strewn about. But well, no, gets, that was the initial, gets a whole that, fucking no, that funeral. was the initial ambush. Yeah. That, this was, that was the like initial ambush that the news reporter thing was. This was a different. Yeah, the, exactly. That but was we had, pre, we that had was no funeral for any, anyone else. We did. They just weren't in, they just, they weren't, Main characters. They, they weren't main characters, so we yeah, skipped their funerals. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, she, her funeral—it's it, hilariously boring and pointless, like everything else. Um, One of the strangest things to me about this film is, for as graphic and violent as it is, because it does have a good bit of gore and shit in it, mm-hmm. and. 
for as much nudity as we see. I mean, it, granted, it is almost exclusively tits and one dude's asshole as he, like, <laughs> as Johnny is trying to give a video. Um, oh, yeah. It, no, that was one of the girls. No, that was fucking kitten, dude. I swear, he turns around I and, like, spreads his cheeks I apart. Sw- I swear it was the, the either, redhead. Either way. But yes. We, I think I think multiple people were showing their asses there. Yeah, we um, saw too much ass. Metaphorically and <laughs> literally. They have a weird, like... They, they very rarely cursed in this film. Like, if you... Like, I was paying attention to the dialogue probably more than I should have. Like... I can think of, like, no expletives in this entire film. I feel and like there were some. I just can't remember them off the top of they, my head. I mean, there were some, but it was, like, very few and far between. Like, and, I don't know, just in a war movie where people are being dismembered and, like, torn apart by disgusting bugs, I would think, like, you fucking bugs would be said a lot more than it, it was in the film. Well, okay, congratulations to uh, all the... <laughs> The naked cheaters out there, you don't have potty mouths. <laughs> it just seemed, it was just a weird thing that I picked up on. I don't know. Yeah, you, I, me picking up on the fact it's a that movie it was, I could watch with my kid. <laughs> Dear God, maybe when um, he turns thirteen. <laughs> no, he's gonna want to watch the movie alone. Um. Oh Jesus. So. We get to the whole big finale of, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to find, like, for reasons that keep changing drastically. Yeah, reasons. Um, we keep changing whether or not we're going to go rescue Denise Richards and Spoh mm-hmm. McCormick. Um, her standing there, firing a gun, is adorable. <laughs> I literally was like, honey, you're adorable. (laughs) This is even cuter than you trying to be smart and trying to say all that smart stuff. Because I'm not buying it. Like, I don't understand. Because this movie, I'm 98% sure this movie came out before they casted Mm. The World Is Not Enough. Okay. So I want to know how anyone saw this movie and said, that's a nuclear (laughs) physicist if I've ever seen one. Get her on the phone. <coughs> it's because of her math score. The 95. 97. Oh, Jesus. The 97, which is about <laughs> 98 higher than I would expect her to get. <laughs> that was a math joke. <laughs> that she wouldn't she... fucking get. <laughs> Casper wouldn't either, but at least no. they were honest about it. Um, oh, God. Uh... Yeah, I, so, what kills me is, so, Casper Van Dien, through this whole fucking movie, I don't even, like, the movie feels like it takes course over, you know, once we get to the whole, them actually going out into war, Yeah, it feels like the movie takes place over the course of a week, and he Mm -hmm. gets about 70 promotions. Yeah. Denise Richards basically just stops having trainee added to her title. Everyone else stays at the exact same rank. Yeah. And then Neil Patrick Harris apparently got promoted to top Gestapo as soon as he showed up at work. Um, but you like 
you get to the end of the movie and the whole thing of like, hey, Clancy Brown captured the yeah, the, the brain, bu- yeah, the brain yeah. bug, which, you know, I don't understand what logic you're going with that he pulled that off, but sure, mm. let's claim that. Um, you know, the sudden... Clancy sudden, Brown's a badass. That's well, literally sudden, all the expl- explanation that they gave. Well, this, this creature survived a nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no debating that. <laughs> So, there's a whole slew of questions about how you even capture it. Yeah. Um, but, literally, he's captured the fucking... He has captured the bug that is supposed to change the course of the war. He humbly corrects that he's a private, so that way we know yeah. from a callback from later that yeah. he he demoted... He let himself get demoted so he could go back out and fight. Mm-hmm. Casper Van Dien just nods and walks away. And I'm like, no, you fucking on-site prom- You give him an on-field promotion like you do every single fucking time you talk to someone. Literally, you sneeze and they promote your ass. Yeah. You can promote him for actually doing something. And he just fucking walks away and he's still a private. And that, yeah. like, to, like, that was bullshit. Like, I get it. You're hoping that you can have some, I'm sorry, your boyfriend you actually wanted to be with is dead is sex with Denise Richards, but still, two seconds to say, no, you're a lieutenant, you're a, yeah. you're something. Of, of all the shit that he stole from Michael Ironside, because he stole all of Michael Ironside's dialogue. Yes. This, this again, points to my thought that he doesn't have an original fucking thought in his head. Like, it's just derived from someone else who is more intelligent and more yeah. charismatic and, oh, you yeah. know, can Absolutely. lead a squad. But, like, that's the one thing he he couldn't steal from Michael Ironside. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so. Any final so, thoughts so, on this? So, Go Bugs. Go um, Bugs. That's, that's, <laughs> is going to continue to be my, my, my closing thought on this film. Um. So, Starship Troopers, would you recommend this movie to anyone? Um, you know, I, I, yes, if you are a teenager, or if you are heavily inebriated, then yes, absolutely watch this film. I think if you, (laughs) if you have Amazon Prime, and this is your first option, you need to talk to someone. Like, is something wrong? You need, yeah. Because there are better films Let's to Find watch. a therapist. <laughs> you need a therapist. It's very clear. With that being said, I do have a morbid curiosity of watching Starship Troopers, Traitor of Mars, <laughs> on Hulu. Well, there's two more live-action ones, I including know. a third one that Casper Van Dien returns in. Oh, man. Yeah. Is this going to be our three-parter? No. No, it's not. We're leaving it at this. Would you Would you recommend this film? I would recommend this to a group of 13-year-old boys that are having a sleepover. Um, yeah. You watch this movie while you're giving your hands a break from playing video games. You you know, played a big... You spent two hours playing multiplayer Halo. Take a break. Watch this movie. Yeah. Um, high-five each other that you're watching a movie with boobs. And then once the movie's over, you can go back into playing Fortnite or whatever the fuck 13-year-old yeah. idiot boys play these days. Um, <laughs> Um, also, you know, if you're a 20 something year old, um, and you got a bunch of friends, you're in college and you're trying to find a movie that you can find a 
fun drinking game to make out of. Yeah. I feel like you can make a good drinking game out of this. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know. There has to be guides online every time Denise Richards does something above her actual <laughs> capacity in life. Take a it, shot. And every work. every single time, every single time that she gives somebody fuck me eyes, <laughs> you take a shot. Every single time that Casper Van Dien does his, somebody is pulling, somebody is fish hooking each corner of my mouth in the opposite direction, pain face. <laughs> you do a shot. When and I hope you notice this too. When Casper Van Dien gives fuck me eyes to Clancy Brown. <laughs> You drink a whole bottle of whatever your drink of choice is. Because right, that I was to watch this film again. Yeah, it was at some point. I think it's after he um, he gets him reenlisted. Yeah, I think it's the that point they cut back to Casper Van Dien and he is giving intense fuck me eyes. Nobody wants to fuck anyone else in this movie based off of the way they look at each other, the way Casper Van Dien wants to fuck Clancy Brown. I did love that scene. Just Clancy Brown's fucking demeanor in that whole scene where he's like, is this your signature, Rico? And he's like, yep. And he fucking just rips in half. Doesn't look like it to me. Like it to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, Clancy Brown, you're fucking badass. Yes. He's... I'm sorry, the only thing you've been in as of late is Spongebob and fucking a David Cage yeah. quantum dream. Yes. Uh, it is very game. sad that most people are going to look at him and go... You're in Spongebob! And he, he's going to have to live with that. And he, he shouldn't have to. <laughs> Spongebob is great, but he, it's it's been on for too long now. Y- yes, it's it's treading into Simpsons waters. Yeah, um, I think it's been in those waters for a while. Yeah. I think it, Well, Stephen Hillenburg came back for a while, but he recently passed away, so... Sadly, yeah. I think it needs I think to be off I, the air sooner I, rather than later. I think when he passed away, they should have phased out the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But yeah, we're so not talking about SpongeBob. No, we're talking about um, the things we watched. Yeah, this week. what what all of you what all have you been watching lately that you could recommend people watch or avoid? Um, so I saw a couple of the music videos from uh, the Lonely Islands new, uh, the old Netflix thing. That yeah, they, yeah, they it's yeah. it was basically like a video album, kind of like an R. Kelly trapped in the closet kind mm. of thing. Um, but it's great. I mean, what I've only seen two of the videos so far. But it's uh, two uh, baseball players basically, like, just roided out and talking about, like, getting laid and how famous they are and how what great baseball players they are. It's classic Lonely Island bullshit, um, which made me want to go back and watch uh, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. And Jesus Christ, that is... One of the best, stupidest movies you will ever watch. Oh, it is. The, f- the fact that they have legitimate like incredible musical talents in that film talking about how incredible Connor for real is. Yeah. It's the, one of the funniest things. The oh, fact, yeah. the fact that they played the equal rights music video and then cut to Ringo Starr going, he's talking about gay marriage. Like it's not allowed. It's allowed. It's allowed. Now. Like it is just fucking hilarious. There, so much of the parody in that film is just spot on. Like he is the quintessential, uh, you know, Justin Bieber type. Yeah. And Hunter the Hungry is the perfect Tyler the Creator parody. <laughs> it's like Hunter the Hungry's songs could be Tyler the Creator songs. It's so it's they're it's so fucking close. Um the other thing I watched this week was I went to The Exchange and purchased um Sleeping Beauty because 
I remember that Disney film fondly, and I wanted to know if I could grab it, and it was $11 on DVD compared to Aladdin, which is in the Disney vault, and was $35 on DVD used, so well, and I it's did also, not get Aladdin. It's also a little more popular right now because of... Yes, granted that they, as well. They have the whole live-action remake, which I have listened to multiple of the songs yeah. from the new one, and... Wow. <laughs> That's a movie to miss. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, you got to do a trip down memory lane with, with Sleeping Beauty, which... Yeah, I, I think... Thank God for, for the popularity of the character Maleficent, not the mm-hmm. shitty Angelina Jolie stuff, but the, just the character herself. Because yeah. if not, I feel like Sleeping Beauty is one of those ones that would really have just disappeared. You know, I, I kind of thought that, and going back and watching it, so much of the humor of that movie is Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Mm-hmm. Like, they they are great in the film. And yeah. it was it was one of the, um, I think it might have been like 50th anniversary collector's edition. Yeah. So it had, you know, I started to watch the special features and the deep dives on like, what kind of art style they were going for, and who they hired specifically for it, and why some of it like just sustains the the test of time because at the time it was at so ahead of its time in its animation yeah. um like if you talk to 2D animators for years after the fact like the most impressive 2D animation was Maleficent turning into the dragon yeah and the fact that they used actors recording on a sound like on a sound stage to to film their movements and then track it, you know, frame for frame to as, as a reference for their animation. Like so much of that film was done with such care. And I watched, um, the little mermaid, uh, recently. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that made me think of like going back is the moments you remember in the little mermaid and the moments you remember in, um, sleeping beauty, are the film, which is so nice. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 kind of a breath of fresh air to be like, oh fuck, I forgot about this scene that lasts ten minutes. That's so totally unnecessary to the plot. Yeah. I'm like a Little Mermaid. Well, she she goes and finds the fork, and then she talks to the bird, and then her dad gets <laughs> mad, and then she sings the song, and then Eric's ship crashes, and then she turns, she gets legs, and she loses her voice. They go on a boat. Uh, she gets her voice back, she goes back underwater, they live happily ever after. Yeah. And I'm like, those are the moments of the film. And that's the fucking film, and it's great. Yeah. Because you, you know, watch, like, the live-action remakes, and they're like, no, but we gotta add half an hour of miscellaneous bullshit, because what do kids want to do other than to sit they really, They really want to know what Eric's relationship with his parents is. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, when they do a live-action oh, of Little Mermaid... Yeah. A big chunk of it's going to be his parents and his his interactions with them. Yeah, and so that'll that'll play a big part. We'll find some you know somebody besides Josh Gad since we already used him to play like a best friend <laughs> yeah. who does you know turns that song when Ariel discovers them into a full blown musical number. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll do stuff like that. S- Sleeping Beauty. I to, sorry to cut you off, but no, like, you're fine. It also, I have a fondness for Hercules that a lot of people don't have. 
Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of 90s kids, I think, like Hercules a lot more than any other age range does because we just grew up with it. Yeah. But Hercules blended so much of, like, okay, you have a villain played by James Woods, like, using this, like, Yiddish, like, all, you know... Just this smarmy fucking dialogue. James Woods before he devolved through Twitter. <laughs> and then before before he did his famous television turn as Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> you just have so many clashes of like culture and humor and let's do satirical stuff and let's also like make fun of 90s pop culture with Air Jordans and commercialism. And, like, a lot of that doesn't work now, but I have a fondness for it. Hercules is not timeless. It's sort of, it's the difference, it's that whole difference between the first Shrek and the second Shrek, or Airplane and Scary Movie, where, Mm -hmm. you know, Airplane and Shrek... They're they're more making fun of the tropes of the genre, the cliches, yeah. stuff like that. There is a little bit in the first Shrek of like culture at that time, but like scary movie and um and Shrek two rely entirely on pop culture yeah. references. They're they're almost immediately so dated. As yeah, as soon as as soon as a generation watches that movie that did not grow up grow up yeah. with that's the stuff that they're making fun of the movie's not funny to yeah. them as much as i can force my kid to watch hercules he will never love it as much as i do no and they'll be the same with my daughter <laughs> sleeping beauty i feel like was ahead of its time in the way that i feel hercules was but it's it's not dated that film is arguably about um the prince not prince eric prince uh, i'm gonna blank on his name um, Philip, Prince yeah, Philip, Prince Philip. But like, he carries a lot of the film and is actually a compelling prince. Mm-hmm. And the the line that people point to in that film where he's like, "Come on, father, it's the 14th century." Like, as if you know, like get yeah. with, get with the times. Like yeah. that is just a classic it's, Disney. It's a it's a uh, quote. it's a good shtick. Yeah. to have in the movie. Um, but I'm done gushing about Sleeping Beauty. What did you watch this week? Uh, well. What I watched that's worth watching is uh, the Spanish film that's on Netflix called Talk Talk, mm-hmm. uh, T-O-C, T-O-C, uh, and it's, the whole the whole premise is six people, all with um, a certain, vari- a different variation on OCD or something else of that nature. Yeah. They all have appointments scheduled with the therapist, and they go to the therapist's office, and they all discover their their sessions were all scheduled at the same time. Okay. And the therapist isn't there yet. So the six of them waiting with all their quirks and all their their special things about them. Yeah. And just what happens when those people, the pressure of waiting just yeah. lives in on them. Sorry, where was that at? It's on Netflix. Netflix, gotcha. Um, it's Spanish. It's absolute... It's there. There were a lot of moments that had me laughing out loud. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a smart movie, and it it approaches mental health very respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing you know playing aspects of the of it for laughs, sure. Yeah. But it's the funniness of 
the personalities of the characters mixed with their their OCD. Yeah. It's those blends about the you know nobody is just you know nobody is just whatever their mental illness is. Gotcha. They they have a personality that both complements and conflicts with their disorder, which rounds them out, makes them a real person. Gotcha. Was um, this a, sorry, was this a film or a series? A film. Gotcha. It's a film. It's uh, like an hour and a half long. It's uh, it's really easy. It, it moves beautifully. It flies like you're watching just like a half hour sitcom yeah. episode. Awesome. Um, I also watched Personal Shopper, also on Netflix. <laughs> you do not need to watch that one. Uh, let me first say, Kristen Stewart is actually a really good actress. Mm-hmm. Like, the the one thing I liked about the movie was her. Mm-hmm. She's a good actress. She just, you know, it's kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio got tagged because of Titanic. Yeah. But Titanic sucked. The dialogue sucked. <laughs> Not as much as the dialogue in Twilight sucks. Yeah. But s- still, you could, I mean, you could get... L- you know, alcohol poisoning, if you made a drinking game out of every single time that Jack and Rose say their name or each other's names. Yeah. Um, because apparently they're worried about forgetting. But, yeah. no, Personal Shopper, to put it to, to put it in the most condensed concept of what the movie is that I can, she is a personal shopper for a celebrity. She lives in Paris, and while she's not doing her job, she is attempting to contact... The spirit of her dead twin brother. That is the baseline of the movie. They will tell you that it is a horror movie. No. <laughs> there is there is an aspect of tension to the film. Mm-hmm. There is an aspect of suspense and tension to the film in how they approach certain things. Whether or not it lands with you is remains to be seen. But even if it's landing with you, I wouldn't necessarily rank it as horror. Yeah. Um, well, when you tell me that description, I am almost like, is this a Hallmark film? Are you leaving out the part where she meets a really cute guy who, like, you know, she meets on one of her shopping trips who helps her shopping and carries her bags? Like, it, it leads me to believe that there's going to be an element of, like, a romantic comedy in it or something. No, <laughs> I mean, she has, like, she meets, like, one guy at, like... 15, 20 minutes left in the film, mm-hmm. but it's not a romantic, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he's involved with another character in the scene. Okay. So there's not even any romance to it. And they're just discussing their concepts about beliefs about spirits and the afterlife and stuff like that. Um, and it leads to some of the cooler shots of the film that happen right after. But, um, yeah, there's no romantic storyline for her yeah. or anything like that. It's, um, you know, her character's fairly isolated, even with her considering her job. She's a fairly isolated person, not even necessarily by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie just, the movie, it's almost like half an hour into the movie, it forgets what it's doing and just gets a good idea and decides to run with that instead. Yeah. And then in the last 20 minutes goes, oh, Shit, the the brother spirit thing. We need to. Okay, let's. Uh, shit, we need to do that. We need to focus on that. We fuck. I, I know I forgot something. Um, it it literally seems like the movie does that out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. 
but yes, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's most of what I've been watching. Um, I will say, uh, treading back a little bit, if, you know, for people that are fans of, like, 90s Disney, mm-hmm. uh, there is a documentary. I'm pretty sure it's not on a single streaming service, but it's one to own, or at least to rent if they have it available on Vudu or Amazon. Yeah. Um, it is called Waking Sleeping Beauty, and it is all about the the 90s Disney's renaissance period. Gotcha. Where the animation department basically had to save itself. Yeah. And the movie is actually made by two of the animators that were there at the time. Mm-hmm. And they actually were able to get uh, Roy Disney, Michael Eisner, and other people that were involved at the time, that were there at the time, who really hadn't spoken about any of it since around the time The Lion King came out. Yeah. It was the first time that most of them had actually spoken on the subject. So it's a, it's a really, it's a great watch. Um, you're going to cry multiple times, just plain and simple, um, for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and there are moments that legitimately give me, ch- there is a moment where you have um, Howard Ashman, who just was an insanely amazing talent Mm -hmm. and they show a video of him basically explaining slash performing the opening of under the sea for the little mermaid. Okay. And every single time I watch it, it gives me chills. Yeah. It's as a weird comparison. It's like the end scene and the credits of the original planet of the apes. Mm -hmm. Both, both things still every single time. Just give me chills. Yeah. But it's, you know, because you're watching this guy's mind at work. Yeah. And so it's just just exceptional stuff. Um, In this same vein, I do want to give a shout out real quick. And I'm sure we need to do an episode sooner rather than later of where we just shout out like our favorite YouTube personalities and videos we really like to watch. Because <laughs> we both watch Screen Rant. uh, pr- uh we do. We both watch a lot of Screen Rant. Um, What's the, Ryan George? His, Ryan uh, George. His, his, his pitch meeting stuff. Yes, is pitch brilliant. meeting is brilliant. But um, I want to shout out Lindsay Ellis, who um, does dissection. Like recently, mm-hmm. has done dissections of a lot of the Disney uh, Renaissance period films, where it's mm-hmm. like Mulan, Pocahontas, uh, Hercules. Aladdin, why these films work, why they didn't work, how Robin Williams got screwed over, and, you know, didn't, like, why Robin Williams led to so many famous actors, their names being used as a claim for animated features, um, really go give her a watch, because her, her videos, particularly about Hercules, and about Pocahontas, and how Moana is basically Disney's redemption at Pocahontas, is fucking brilliant, and I recommend it highly I God Rob Williams just had the shittiest time during the early 90s didn't he hmm. well he, I mean he had well, the, even, well, the that, biggest spike of his career but he had the biggest spike of his but you had the, like I like still with Warner Brothers when cause they were when they were doing and I know it's 89 it's not early 90s but when they did uh, the first Tim Burton Batman mm-hmm to try to get Jack Nicholson to lower his price and to do the movie, they they basically hired Robin Williams and dangled him as getting the Joker right. to 
piss off Jack Nicholson and to get yeah. Jack Nicholson to do it. So they essentially just used Rob Williams as a prop to get who they really wanted. I don't which... know if I've ever heard that before. Could could you imagine the prospect of two comedic actors, Michael Keaton and Robin Williams, playing off each other as Batman and, and Joker? <laughs> I I honestly would have loved to have seen Robin Williams. Oh my as god, Joker. it would have been fucking brilliant. Um, he my, would have played it. I mean, not the Jack Nicholson is probably one of the most faithful mm-hmm. Jokers in live action, but the, Robin Williams having a smile plastered on his face the whole time, yeah. like, is believable. And the fact that he dealt with actual mental health issues hit him behind a smile, like, fuck, that's well, literally relevant now. If you want to see how scary he would have looked, take the take the fucking box art for uh, toys. That weird ass movie Toys, and just slap some clown makeup, yeah, paint over Rob Williams' face on that, and that's basically what his Joker would have yeah. looked like. Jeez, um, as, we yeah, were as, robbed. God as, damn it, we as, were robbed. <laughs> well, and right now, right now, there's only one person who can and should be playing the Joker, and that's Andy Serkis. Mm. That's that's pretty good. He literally his laugh as Claw in Black Panther. That's the Joker laugh. Yeah. That's how the Joker should sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck that Joaquin Phoenix movie just looks like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it was a teaser trailer. We could get a theatrical one where it looks better, but right now it literally just looks like... It literally looks like Joaquin Phoenix slaps on clown makeup and hops from Martin Scorsese movie to Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. Well, um... I think anything else that you've been watching this week that you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I watched the watched the season finale for season two of Happy. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I swear I'm going to get to it. Jaw Jaw was on the floor for pretty much the whole thing. Can't I cannot imagine what the hell they're going to do next season. Yeah. But the things that they've hinted at are going look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. And I watched the season premiere for the 10th season of Archer. Have you watched it yet? No. Was that last night or tonight? Uh, Wednesday night. Oh, jeez. I was, um, was just going to talk about that. But no, so, I will get to that eventually. So they have a moment we'll talk about on the next episode. They have a moment that I'm sure you'll notice that, to me, is the biggest hint of what's to come this season. Do I have to watch season 9? Because I'm not caught up. In my rewatch of Archer, I'm not caught up to Danger Island. Do I have to watch season nine before I jump into season I think you nine? should watch season nine because even if it starts a little rough, yeah. I actually thoroughly enjoy it. And it's the 100th episode of Archer takes place during season nine. Gotcha. And I think it's actually a fantastic episode. Awesome. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Well, if you haven't watched it yet, then I'll, I'll hold off on all of my thoughts for it. All right. But, um, well, my mission now is to watch all of season nine. And to watch the season premiere of season 10. And get your ass on Netflix and watch season 1 of Happy and wait for season 2 to come out <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. I got I got a lot of homework for you. I'm literally, I'm like, I've got DVDs, like, five feet away from me. And I could just take a stack and put them in front of you and be like, here, take these home. This is your homework. Yeah. Well, I finally got uh, around to watching Hudson Hawk. We talked about that. But I'm yeah. not going to talk too much about that now, but w- that is either going to be an episode or, or a talk for another time. I, I feel, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to decide whether or not we've got an episode's worth of conversation about that movie <laughs> or not. I feel like we probably do, but I'm, I might need to give it a rewatch before, um, yeah. while, so I take some notes. Well, I, I need to do a rewatch myself, because it's been <laughs> a couple of years. But, yeah, with that, um, 
we will say goodnight. So this is uh, this is Thomas Green signing off. Uh, I'm Alex Duez. Let me just shout out. You could find us at Movies Work on Twitter, uh, Movies After Work on Facebook. You can email us directly at moviesafterwork at gmail.com. Um, again, talk to us about the fuck did we watch starship troopers <laughs> you talk to us about talk to us about that if you, th- if you think that the the rainbow trailer actually looked good if you think that uh there's a movie that you really want to see us do you know any thoughts that you might have uh, pitch me good on a exciting terminator movie or how dark fate could be exciting because yeah. right now i'm not excited prove, by it prove prove us wrong on our belief that Dark Fate is going to just be an Arblah movie, prove us wrong on it. We would we would love to hear some we would love to hear some blind faith. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign off for for the night. So thank you guys for listening and uh, have a good day at work tomorrow. Thank you guys. Bye bye.